Everybody doing okay? My name is uh, James. There we go. All right. You want me to start over? You guys could hear me the first time. My name is James. I am one of the pastors here at Riverview. I spend most of my time over at the Holt venue. Uh, my role there is very similar to the one that Pastor Tony has here at the West Side venue. So I haven't been over here to preach in a couple of years, and it's just a thrill to see uh, so many familiar faces. I have a very long and rich history of friendship and ministry partnership with Tony. Um, he came to Christ through the student ministry that I was leading years and years ago, and also with Pastor Steve, um, who has been um, my pastor here at Riverview for years and years. Both Tony and, and Steve are, I'm honored to have them as my pastors, and just grateful to be here with you all, and to know that you as a Riv family are working alongside with them to proclaim the gospel uh, here on the west side of town. I've experienced a few recent milestones in my life. Uh, Ten days ago, my wife and I celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary. And uh, yes, just, just uh, appreciate that. My wife is here today. If you haven't met her, take the opportunity to do that. And yesterday was my 53rd birthday. Um, and so um, just getting older, basically, is what's happening here. So, um, But we've wrapped up another year, and, and move, we're moving into 2022. And so I've been reading through those top 20, top 10, top 5 stories of 2021 articles. And I got to tell you, as I've been reading through all of those lists, 2021 was a pretty sobering year. Um, the esteemed poet Macklemore uh, just came out with a new single a couple of months ago called Next Year. Uh, he has this repeating chorus, next year is going to be better than this year. Is the, That's the idea of the song. And some of us are like, I sure hope so. Um, one of the lines in the song says, it's like God group texted the world and dumped us. Uh, which is not actually true, but it feels a little bit like that at times, right? You think about the top stories of 2021, um, the continued issues with COVID and the spread of the vaccines and all of that, obviously at the top of many of the lists, increasing struggles and awareness around mental health and anxiety has been a big story this past year. Uh, concerns about the economy, the supply chain, the storming of the capital is one of the major stories on most of these lists. That was about a year ago that that uh, event happened. Court decisions and public opinion around abortion has been, uh, there's been this school shooting there in Oxford. Uh, the devastation, even just last week, the wildfires and we had tornadoes. It's just a lot of really tough stuff in 2021. And the question that kept popping into my head as I was reading through uh, and reviewing this past year is what about hope? And it's not that we didn't get a glimpse of, of hope and there weren't hopeful things in 21. After all, we did get to watch another season of Ted Lasso, right? Uh, but overall, I think everything that's been thrown our way, it just feels heavy. I'm not sure if that's you. I feel exhausted personally from a lot of this stuff. And so what can we be grateful for? What can we look forward to? Where is our hope, right? Because the honest thing is 2022 might not be better. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. We're in the fifth week of our series working our way through a centuries-old statement of core Christian beliefs called the Apostles' Creed. 
And our section this week uh, contains the most hope-filled truth the world has ever been exposed to. In fact, I think that what we're going to talk about today is the top news story for 2021, for 2020, for every single year, for every decade, every century. It's the single most impactful event in the history of the world. And here it is. You ready? On the third day, he rose again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's only son, transformed the world. Like we talked about last week, he suffered, he, he was crucified, he, he died, he was buried, he was dead in the tomb for three days, and then, miraculously, supernaturally, he walked out of that tomb alive. Now, as we've done throughout the series, our first task here with this statement is to establish the biblical foundation. Where, what does the Bible have to say about this truth, about Jesus rising again on the third day? And so we'll rely on the eyewitness testimony of John. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in John 20, or you want to flip or tap over there. We'll put the verses up on the screen as well. John was one of Jesus's closest friends and followers. This is what he observed uh, here uh, that we'll be looking at in John 20. He does a great job of explaining the what, right? What happened to Jesus? And then as we read through kind of this what part of the story, the why becomes apparent as well. Why do, uh, is the resurrection so central to Christianity? What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean for the world, for us today? On top of that, we're also going to lean a little bit into Paul's uh, account in 1 Corinthians 15. He talks for that whole chapter, if you want to do some reading on your own maybe this week, uh, about the true significance of Jesus rising from the dead and the hope we have as a result. And so we're going to bookend our time with a little bit from the beginning of Paul's chapter, and then later on we'll talk a little bit from the end of, of his chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Here's uh, what he says at the beginning in in. 1 1 Corinthians 15:3 he says for I passed on to you as most important what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried as we talked about last week that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and then in verse 12, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Uh, and in verse 16 he says, for if the dead ha are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ, who have died, have also perished. Someone, if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, then people who are followers of Christ, they're still dead, right? If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, Paul says, we should be pitied more than anyone. But, verse 20, as it is, Christ 
has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, that's Adam, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man, that's Christ. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. And that's why it's most important, the resurrection. If in fact Christ is raised from the dead, All who are in Christ will be made alive. And if he's not, then our faith is in vain. It's worthless because we're still dead in our sin. So let's go to John 20, starting here in verse 1. And again, uh, we'll just follow along here with with, uh, John's account of what happened and and, uh, and start, as we're thinking through the what happened, also be thinking, uh, what is John saying about why this is important? Um, Verse 1 of chapter 20 says, On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw the stone had been removed from the tomb. And so on the first day of the week there um, is referring to three days after the death of Jesus Christ, which is significant for two reasons. Number one, in the more primitive medical system, right, they had in the first century, a person wasn't considered dead until they had been in the tomb for three days. And so John is establishing Jesus really had died and it was known in their community. And secondly, three is one of the sacred numbers in the Jewish tradition. You may be familiar with just a little bit of how some of the numbers, seven is another one of their very symbolic numbers. Three symbolizes completion or perfection. There are over 70 different places in the Bible where there's a reference to three days or some kind of grouping of three, and the three is more than just the number. It symbolizes uh, something that God is on the move in this space. There's three members of the Trinity. There's three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's three parts of the Hebrew Bible. The law, the prophets, and the writings. Jonah was in the whale for three days. Isaiah walked naked in the wilderness for three years. Yikes. Peter denied Jesus three times before Jesus prayed in the garden three times, which means that uh, uh, there's, God is just baking in the significance of his movement throughout this whole process. He was crucified in the third hour of the day, and then on the third day he rose again, and then one day in eternity all of the angels will proclaim night and day, holy, holy, holy. When something is said three times, it's emphasizing God's presence, his completion, his perfection. God is on the move. Now, on the third day, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. Um, And it's no surprise that she was the first eyewitness to the empty tomb because she was following along. If you read in the account in Matthew, uh, she was there watching when Jesus died. And then she was the one who was sitting and grieving in front of the tomb um, after he had passed away. And then this is not coincidentally the third time that she is mentioned as now she's there uh, as an eyewitness to the empty tomb. In Israel in the time of Jesus, family tombs 
were typically hewn out of uh, rock hillsides. Um, this one here, I think we have, if you can see in the middle, there's a little, uh, about three rows up there, there's a, like a keyhole-shaped uh, opening in the side of that. That's a vineyard um, that I uh, had the opportunity to visit years and years ago. I think I actually took that picture. And that was their family tomb that was inside of their family farm, basically. And some of them are bigger, some of them are smaller. When we went inside of that one, there was a little space in there where people could actually stand inside of their little slots cut out into the rock where um, they were reused for, for multiple members of the family. Um, the the tombs would be sealed using either a stone that was like a key in a keyhole, kind of slid into the opening, or in this one here that we saw, we, um, that one, the, the stone rolls, it's like a disc, and it rolls in front of the tomb. Uh, and again, um, you can stand inside of there or get inside of there. It's depending on the size of the family and how much money they have, the different sizes. So Mary arrives and she sees that the stone has been removed, and she suspects foul play, actually. In verse 2, she says, so she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Now, now that's a reference John, most scholars believe he's referring to himself here, uh, that that's Peter and John. Uh, John kind of slips in a little sort of self-gloss into this story, by the way. It was, there was Peter and then the guy that Jesus loved, which was me, um, is kind of the idea I kind of get there. Um, uh, these were probably Jesus's two most prominent disciples, Peter the oldest, John the youngest. Um, And so Mary runs to Peter and John and she says, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. They, she thinks his body's been stolen. Um, At that, Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. I'm faster than Peter is basically what John was saying. Um, I just wonder about the running races. The disciples probably had a lot of those. Like Jesus is like, now he's way over there. Let's all race to Jesus. Um, Stooping down, this is John's own story. He saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb. And it's just like Peter, he comes running up and he just busts right in. And he's like, where's Jesus? That's typical Peter. Uh, and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on Jesus's head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place uh, by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first, that's John, also went in, saw, and believed. And so they arrive at this tomb and they see evidence that there had been a dead body there. The wrappings that, remember Joseph of Arimathea had taken such good care of the body, but it almost feels like, did Jesus like, when he left the tomb, like fold up his head wrapping and leave it there? Or like there's something about it that, that they, they are confused. They're not sure what to think. They see the stone removed, the wrappings are there, but Jesus is not, he's not there. Verse 11, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She kind of pokes her head, what's going on here? She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, 
one at the head and the other at the feet. Now, in Hebrews, it says angels um, are uh, ministering spirits sent out by God to serve those who are going to inherit salvation. They're like God's secret agents, kind of, right? He often deploys angels um, when he's moving in a miraculous way. And so when we see these angels speaking to Mary, we know, again, something supernatural is happening, right? Uh, The angel said to Mary, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. She's getting frustrated. Where's Jesus' body? Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Now, we don't know why that was. Maybe uh, it was the, the, the light. Maybe she was crying too hard. Maybe I, We don't know why. She didn't recognize him. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Great question for all of us to ask ourselves every day. Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, which makes sense because most of these tombs were cut in olive groves or vineyards or some area like that. She thinks he's there, you know, to tend to the trees or whatever. She says, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. I just want to know where Jesus's body is. Jesus said to her, Mary. And turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And so here's Mary. She is weeping and confused and frustrated, and she's devastated by the loss of Jesus. But there's something about the way Jesus said her name there. I really, I would love to know what was the, there's something she recognizes immediately. When he says Mary, it's like something just clicks for her. She realizes, oh, it's, that's Jesus. And she uses the phrase Rabboni. Now, Rabboni means uh, my rabbi, my teacher. There were rabbis in their culture that, you know, just around. But this is basically an identity. This is my, I'm following this person is kind of this idea. She's reunited with her Messiah, Verse 19, when it was evening of that first day of the week, so the other piece happened in the morning, now it's that night, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, remember he had that spear wound uh, that he uh, incurred on the cross in his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so right here, right away, we see the immediate impact of the resurrected Jesus, right? The disciples, they are in hiding. They're lost. They're afraid. They have lost all hope. It's just chaos, right? If you've been there in your life where you're just like, man, everything is falling apart here. And then Jesus shows up and he's alive. And immediately he brings three things 
First, he brings his presence. In two different ways, he brings his presence. It says he stood among them, right? The sense of just, first of all, shock. Oh my gosh, Jesus is here. And then the flood of of relief and comfort that they must have felt seeing Jesus alive, standing in front of them, I cannot even imagine. It says they were overjoyed, and I think that's an understatement. They had to have been hugging and celebrating and weeping and just absolutely beside themselves. Secondly, it says, he breathed on them and received the Holy, and said, receive the Holy Spirit to them. And so he stood among them, and then he gave them himself. The Holy Spirit is God, the presence of God, one of the members of the Trinity living inside. Uh, Anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit living inside of that person to guide them, to speak truth to them, to bring comfort to them. It's God's presence all the time, not just in the moment, but forever. So he brings his presence Secondly, he brings his peace. Twice he says to them, peace be with you. And in Hebrew, peace is shalom. Shalom is is a wholeness. It's a completeness. It's where everything is where and how it's supposed to be. And think about that for the disciples in that moment. Whatever they were experiencing was the opposite of peace, right? Right? They were in turmoil, in disorder, and God, Jesus speaks order into the chaos that they're experiencing because the risen Jesus is the promise of our resurrection, right? We will live, if we are in Christ, in eternal peace with God, completeness, perfection, wholeness. So he brings his presence, he brings his peace, and he brings his purpose. I don't know if you caught that, but he says to them, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, how did the Father send Jesus? To proclaim the truth of the gospel, to make disciples, to to be a voice for those who don't have a voice, right? Go do that, is what Jesus is saying. You can be everything to others that I have been to you. Now, I'm fully aware that there's lots of room for questions uh, and doubt when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, There's a ton of historical evidence. In fact, most historians don't really have a lot of debate about whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, It's a pretty unbelievable story, but the, the evidence is pretty convincing historically. What it means is a totally different thing, right? Does that mean eternal salvation for people? That's uh, much less easy to observe historically. Uh, For the past 10 years, this is interesting, surveys in our country have consistently shown that about two-thirds of Americans believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ as it's described in the the Bible, which is a shockingly high number to me. (laughs) Honestly, I was stunned by that number. Um, But you might be in that one-third of people, which is like 130 million Americans, right, that have some doubts, um, and you're not alone. Check out Thomas here. He followed Jesus for three years. Interesting that Jesus' public ministry was for three years. And yet, with everything that Thomas had seen, if you've read through the Gospels, 
you're thinking there's no way that any person could have observed everything they did following Jesus and not believe that he was God. I mean, if you read through it, it's like unbelievable what Jesus, and Thomas isn't sure still here at this point in the story. In verse 24, it says, but Thomas, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. He wasn't huddled in fear, and I don't know if he was in the bathroom or if he was out visiting his family. We don't know where Thomas was. And so the other disciples were telling him, Thomas, seriously, we've seen Jesus. We saw him. And Thomas is like, I'm not having it. He said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in, he's like, I want to touch that wound, right? And if I don't put my hand in his side, I will never believe. And they're like, bro, seriously, we saw him. A week later, think about that, a week went by. That These are like, you know, teenagers, early 20s guys. The, the amount of grief that Thomas must have taken that whole week. Thomas, seriously, man, you are so wrong about this. He's like, uh-uh, no, I gotta see it. I gotta see it myself. A week later, the disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, which had to have been Thomas's first clue, like, oh man, shoot, I was wrong about this. He just came into the room without using the door. Okay. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Third time, he has said that to them. Then he turned, and I could just see him looking at Thomas, and he said to Thomas, he holds out his hand, go ahead, put your finger in here. Look at my hands. Reach out. Come on, give me your hand. Put it in my side. Don't be faithless, Thomas, but believe. Right? Any Thomases in the room, by the way? The kind of person who needs to see the evidence. Maybe you're married to one of those, right? Don't, don't look at him. Um, he's like, I got us. I need the proof. Right? I don't care what you say you've seen. I don't believe a word of it until I see it. Maybe that's you. That's nothing wrong with that. Everybody's wired differently. It's fine. But Jesus calls Thomas's bluff. He's like, all right, take a look. Put, you want to touch? Go ahead. Stop doubting. Stop being faithless and believe. And Thomas, in verse 28, he said, responded, he says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed? And then he talks to us. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And then John says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. None of us in this room have seen in the flesh the resurrected Jesus Christ. We didn't get to put our, our hand into that wound. Some of us be like, I don't want to do that. And yet many of Jesus commends those of us who have not seen Jesus' resurrected body in the flesh and have faith and still believe 
in Jesus. John says, that's why I wrote this gospel, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you will have life in his name. Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord, my God. It's a little bit like Mary saying, Rabboni, right? That's the power of the resurrected Jesus. Thomas's life was never the same. In fact, every one of these disciples who encountered the risen Jesus, they became lifelong followers of Jesus who were fanatical about telling other people about Jesus. They couldn't stop doing it to the point where they would get killed for it, right? See, there's a big difference between saying that you believe in Jesus or being one of those two-thirds of Americans who, who says, yeah, I believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus like was in the, in the Bible, or being pro-Jesus, right? And saying, no, no, he is my Lord. He is my God. He is my Savior. Is Jesus Christ your Lord? your God? Do other people know that? Because here's the reality. Our world is corrupted by sin. It just is. We've got glimpses of hope throughout the process, right? In this world that we live in, the community of faith that we get to be a part of, our families and different things, that God is on the move for sure. But 2022 might be not, I mean, I love Macklemore, but it might be way worse than 2021, right? Each of our, us individually, our present bodies are also corrupted by sin. But we have hope, and it's in the risen Christ. Look at how Paul describes it at the end of 1 Corinthians 15. This is kind of the bookend of this powerful chapter. Verse 51, he says, Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep but we will all be changed. He's talking about upon death. It's not like we're just gonna be, this is just gonna be the end of things. We're not all just gonna die. We're gonna be changed upon our death. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. Right? We will transition from a corruptible world to an incorruptible one. Our bodies, which are broken and corruptible will become incorruptible and we will be changed for this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with, immor- mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. This is what's going to be true. You ready? Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where is your sting? Right? God in Christ will have victory over death. Death has sting now, but on that day, that sting will be gone. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul throws in this little sort of therefore at the end. Therefore, in light of everything that's true about the resurrected Jesus, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Those of us who are in Christ, when we die, we will not die. We will be changed. 
from being corruptible to being incorruptible. Our natural bodies will be replaced by spiritual bodies clothed with immortality, raised in glory and power, living in eternal peace with God. This is why Paul says the resurrection of Jesus Christ is of most importance because in Christ we have the hope of eternal life. And I love that little therefore that Paul adds at the end. He's like, in light of that, if that's true, if this is our glorious eternal future, if victory over sin, Satan, and death is in our future, then here's what I want you to do now. Number one, I want you to give thanks to God. Number two, I want you to be steadfast, endure, maintain your faith, don't lose heart, even when the circumstances around us are challenging, which they have been. And then thirdly, he says, be excellent in working for the Lord because what you're doing is eternal. It has eternal value. The top news story for 2021 It's the same as the one from 2020 for every year, every decade, century prior going forward. It's the gospel, the greatest news in the history of the world. And the headline is this, on the third day, he rose again. Jesus Christ defeated death on the cross and promised us life everlasting through his resurrection. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and have life in his name? That's why John wrote his gospel. Is he your Lord, your God, your Rabboni? We're going to close. I'm going to have you go ahead and stand. Um, Throughout this series, we have been reciting the Apostles' Creed as a church family here together at each of our services. And we're going to do that as our closing prayer here uh, today. And the band then, after we uh, pray together using the Apostles' Creed, is going to lead us in some more time of worship. Again, focusing um, the, uh, the content of our songs on uh, the, the risen Christ. And so um, just, just really just take some time to reflect on these truths together um, as, we, as we move forward. So everybody ready? Is he going to be on the screen there? There we go. All right, here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.